So excited uh, this morning, uh, one football season started. And uh, what that means for you is I am a huge football fan. So that means naturally uh, you will hear a lot more football analogies. Uh, you will hear a lot more about, uh, sadly enough, how good the Denver Broncos are doing. You'll see my Peyton Manning jersey. Thank you, Christy. Uh, there's a handful of Denver fans here uh, that were here before I was even here. So I claim no responsibility for their actions. Um, but that's kind of naturally what happens. Oftentimes I even get from people, well, man, uh, you know, those who have grown kids or don't have kids are like, man, you use your kids as, as, as analogies often. And that's true. Uh, oftentimes I use, or even we as, in general, talk about what's most important to us. Or, uh, and, well, yeah, football is pretty important to me. Um, but uh, we naturally do that. We talk about the things in our lives that are most immediate, most important uh, in our lives. Uh, this last week, about a week and a half ago, I got an opportunity to go down and uh, talk with, uh, my, or get together with my uh, family. And my brother had, and we had heard about it for weeks, my brother ordered a brand new car. He special ordered a car from my cousin who owns a car, car dealership in Florida. And um, he, he had ordered this car, and we had heard about it for weeks, what was coming, and I mean, it's just, and so, but it finally came. And so we didn't have to hear about it anymore. We actually got to see it um, and, and then hear about him talking about it. But naturally, we do that. We talk about what's most important in our lives. And so uh, for us as a church, uh, it, that's the essence of this new sermon series that we've been in uh, called I'm In. Um, and it's, we've been talking about the six core commitments we have as a church. Um, those of us, those, that is what is of most importance to us and hence why uh, we're talking about it. We believe it's biblical and, and the most important aspect of God's word and instruction for us is centered on these six core commitments uh, that we've been looking at and this being the fourth week. But not only that, as a church, we're going to launch, uh, the, we have a, a small group curriculum that's, that was created network-wide by all the pastors. We all got together like we do every week to discuss the, our sermons, but um, we all got together and filmed a video curriculum. And I'm in one of the videos teaching one of the lessons, and, uh, and that's something that we're going to launch and, and push forth in the next few weeks. Uh, small groups centered around this curriculum as well and talk about it in that aspect. Uh, and then uh, just after that, we'll be giving everybody the opportunity um, to, to really evaluate their lives and look at these six core principles that we've been talking about. Um, and look at them and, and decide whether or not they want to work through these commitments and establish them in their lives uh, through this idea of being in, being uh, in ownership. And they are, one, consistently, and this is the first time I'm going to list all six, we've talked through four, consistently cultivating your own vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, consistently reaching out, we talked about this last week, reaching out to people who are far from God, uh, consistently attending corporate worship gatherings or attending weekend services, consistently stewarding my financial resources to further the ministry at CTK. Uh, the cat's out of the bag. That's what we're talking about this morning. And five, consistently serving in a ministry of CTK or another ministry that is alignment with the mission, vision, and values we have at Christ the King. And number six, consistently participating in a home small group or a discipleship type ministry. Those are the six core commitments that we are, we are working through. 
And the reason that we talk about each one of these, plus that we're establishing the idea of want you guys to even talk about them, maybe with your husband or your wife or with your friends, the people you hang out with from our church uh, in our small group, is because we believe that they are very important. They are very important for us, uh, for our ministry growth, for our influence, for our capacity, for our potential as a church, but not only as a church, for all of us individually as well. These principles, even for the most part, are only measurable by yourself, and you're the only one that has the opportunity to act on these. So they're for you personally to establish in your life. And I know uh, their importance is why we want to focus in and talk about it. And I know that uh, if, and I I believe that if each one of us even took one step, so if we look at those six, we've looked through four, we're talking through two more in the next two weeks. It's if each one of us, let's say we've got two or three down and we're like, man, I really, I, I really feel like I'm doing this well uh, and I, I want to I take on a fourth, whatever that is. But if each one of us took one step into those six, established one more of those principles, one more of those commitments in our lives, I believe all of that would be true for us personally, our influence, our potential, what God would want for us, your, your personal life would be, uh, would, would, would just blossom. We would, I mean, it would make a huge difference in your life. But not only that, if each one of us took one step into those six, our church as a whole would grow in our potential and influence in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors, in our workplaces, and all that we're involved with as a church would just flourish. I know that to be true. And so that's why they're of most importance and why uh, we're talking about it. So for today, uh, we're looking at this fourth commitment in the I'm In uh, series, and we're going to look at something that is of very high importance. And that is based on, and that's just if you base it solely on the amount of times that it's talked about in the Bible. Again, that principle of you know, which isn't a necessary biblical principle. We talk about what is most important, but Jesus made uh, no excuses and talked about this more than anything else. In the Bible, roughly 500 verses on faith, 500 verses on prayer, and upwards of 2,000 verses on money and stewardship and resources and how we deal with them. Uh, in Jesus' parables, overwhelmingly, he addresses the issue of money and stewardship more than any other topic. Why? Obviously, he knew that the people of that day needed to hear it, right? He knew it was of big importance, of utmost importance that he would talk about it. And this is what gets me about that. Is that, is that this? Got it in my beard there. Uh, is that this? If Jesus talked about things back then, what do you think that he would talk about today? Like if Jesus last year, or last, if Jesus back then talked about the, the need to slow down and the need to take a break to the people back then, what do you think he would say today? If he looked at our lives and our schedules and what we did as a church or as his followers. So if Jesus back then talked about money and finances and resources and, and how to steward it, what do you think you would say today with the way that we live our lives and the way that we steward his money and his resources that he 
uh, that he gave to us. And I think that that is just amazing that the concepts and the way they lived life back then, uh, they were dealing with the same thing. But man, I look at our culture and, and, and what we face and how we act as a, as, a, as a group of people compared to how they were back then. It is amazing. I can't even imagine the lessons that Jesus would enforce and want to teach us, which he does actively with each one of us, if we allow him to hear it. And so, uh, according to his teaching, uh, we, uh, we, we need to hear this. We need to hear, and, and I believe this to be true, and why he even talks about it so much in Scripture, is our finances compete with our faith more than any other thing. Our finances complete, compete with our faith more than any other thing. And you may think, no, I mean, I, I don't think about it that much. It doesn't control me that much, but... It just may be that you're unaware of it. And I think we'll get into that a little bit today as we uh, talk about this. But maybe we're unaware of just how much we allow our finances uh, to control us. Um, he, need, he knew they needed to hear it back then. And based on our priorities, statistics, and culture that we have, Jesus is wanting to have that conversation with each one of us today. And he's wanting to have that conversation in our lives uh, for, for many different reasons and what we'll look at today. Uh, but for the most part, he wants us, he wants our hearts, and he wants to change our lives through our hearts. Not necessarily the acts of doing and how we steward it, but he wants our hearts. Uh, and, and I tell you what, I'm, and this is what I say, I'm not in the business of changing lives. I'm not. I uh, merely am here to equip you. Jesus is the only one that's in the business of changing hearts and changing uh, lives. I'm here to equip you with it. I'm here to present to you what the Bible says, uh, equipping you with the truth so that you can take it and then do life, do circumstances, um, do what God desires for you. Uh, so it's without an apology this morning that we're going to look at this commitment. And the core commitment question for us this, is, this morning is... Am I consistently stewarding my financial resources to further the ministry at CTK? Now, uh, I, I, I'll get to why we've worded it that way in a little bit, but there's a couple things that you might, might be thinking to yourself as you say this. You might be thinking, man, uh, here we go. We're going to talk about money, and it might even annoy you that we're going to talk about money. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it even annoys you to the point where you're questioning whether or not you're going to come back. But here's the deal. I am firm in God is teaching me to present to you and equip you with what the Bible says and, and what the truth is for you uh, in, in your life. And I would say that, that even if you don't hear it today, I'm confident enough to know that uh, if down the road you make the decision to align your heart in with what God has for you, you will look back and go, man. I wish, and for me it's the same story, I wish when I first came to the Lord at 18, and C.S. Lewis, I think, says this, he says, man, if I could equip new believers with two things, it'd be, it'd be prayer and tithing, because both of those are in line with what God wants in our hearts. And so you will say, man, if I, wish, I, I wish I acted the way I act now, back then, so I could really understand and grasp what God has for me. Because our lives in the Lord's hands uh, are, are much more meaningful and provide much more purpose to what he calls to us. And the second would be, uh, and, and, I, and I believe the Bible is very uh, clear about giving, 
Uh, and you might say, well, it, it, it's first modeled by God himself. Right? He is the most generous giver of them all. And he's given us everything that we have. And, and, and we've got to see that first. But it might springboard into the discussion, well, here we go. We're going to talk about money. And as soon as, uh, as, soon as the pastor is going to uh, talk to us about where and how much to spend, I'm totally going to discredit this message. Right? Because who is he to speak into my life and, and what, where I should be or how I should be uh, giving? And again, that's not me. That's an issue between you and God. But I think the Bible is fairly clear uh, that tithe in its base definition is a tenth. Right? And so um, it, the Bible is very clear about that. And I believe that Scripture is also very clear about um, the idea of giving to the local church. You know, fun, giving to... In, uh, in, of most importance to the local body uh, and to the local ministry that he is uh, doing. Now, uh, the principle of giving a tenth uh, of God's resources is not a rule to be followed. So this is the first thing I want to look at. It's not a rule to be followed. It's not an idea that we hit this mark of a, a tenth. And if we look actually into the Old Testament, uh, if you do the math in Scripture and what's in the Scriptures, it's actually uh, somewhere between 23 and 30 percent is what people were giving in the Old Testament. Back to the church, whether it be uh, to the local, uh, like we talked about Levites a couple weeks ago, the Levites and the priests, and then uh, to the widows and the orphans was on top of the, that 10%, and then there was a 3% that went into missions and, and, and things like that. And so they were upwards of 23 to 30% of what uh, they were giving at that time in the Old Testament. And this was long before the laws were even made. There was some principles on the idea of just what, what I want to focus on this morning, the idea of generosity, the idea of uh, having a generous heart, right? It's not the issue of, of even uh, a, a tenth or a tithe. It's the issue of our hearts and where they're at. And so uh, back in the Old Testament, in Genesis, before there was laws or anything like that, uh, there was a story, and the story goes like this. Abram's, uh, and later become Abraham's people, uh, were in a battle, uh, and in that battle, they lost, and Abram lost his nephew, Lot. Lot was uh, carried away, and Abram uh, gathered a group of people together, and it ends up freeing Lot from his captors, the people that had beat him. And, and, and in that, he also got back some of their possessions, right, that were stolen in the battle. Uh, and Abram returned to Melchizedek, which was a uh, priest of the Most High at that time, and, and it was recorded that he greets Abram, is recorded as this, in Genesis 14, 18 through 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hands. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything, a tithe. And then after that story, the generosity uh, was passed down through Abraham's lineage. And we look at uh, his grandson, Jacob, just later on in Genesis, Genesis 28. Uh, who, he, he had this amazing dream uh, of what was to come for Israel. And he awakens from the dream with gratitude to God. And this is what he vows. Genesis 28, 22. And this stone I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Again, 
a, a principle that this is before uh, religious laws. This is before Jesus on earth. There is no Bible. There is no written laws for them to follow. Yet it is recorded in Scripture that even before that, the generosity of God, people were giving back to God based on what he had given to them. And in fact, for us, and I believe for us as a church and where we're at, I think we become too focused on this idea of a tenth or a tithe. And we'll give 10% and we're going to mark it right off the top and we're going to give it up. Because I, I believe that that takes away from even the idea of having a generous uh, heart. Uh, as we were discussing this, this week, Pastor Rob from downtown uh, gave me this kind of bit of truth. He said, God doesn't ask for 10% of our love. God doesn't ask for 10% of our devotion, and he definitely doesn't ask for 10% of our generosity. God wants everything that we have. And so for us, and uh, in, in, in for what God calls us to, I believe uh, a, a 10% or the idea of giving, is it, that's just a starting point. We, it's, it's our heart issue that God wants to speak to, and it's our heart that God wants to change. So generosity isn't a mark to achieve, it's a lifestyle to live. Generosity isn't a mark to achieve, it's a lifestyle to live. A lifestyle that is modeled, modeled first by our creator, by God himself. There's no greater giver than himself. He is the most radically generous giver ever, um, and he made us in his own image. That's in scripture. So he made us so that we would be the same as him, which is somebody who gives generously, who aligns their heart, who aligns their life to give uh, generously. He has given you more than you can even fathom and understand, and if we just take a second to look at it, it's hard to even believe how much he's given us. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. See, we have to understand that. We have to understand the severity of how God has given uh, and been generous to us. This life, every breath that we breathe, where we're all at, the ability to come together in worship, the life that each one of us is blessed enough to live where we live, and I believe that if we don't understand the severity of what Christ did for each one of us, we can't understand or even adhere to the principles that we're looking at, especially the principle that we're looking at this morning, to be generous. I think, cause I think and based only on my uh, personal experience, is that we, it's hard for us to grasp the enormous concept of what God did through giving his son for each of us, right? And we view that uh, God sending, and I think we can get in, into the problem of viewing that God sent his son to, Christ, to, to this earth for each one of us as something that was easier or less uh, of an action than us being willing or able to generously give. I think what we do when we, uh, when, when we value what we value in our lives, and, and that be money or uh, personal finances or how we steward it, we, in a sense, uh, 
say we trust ourselves and value ourselves more than we trust and value God and what he calls for each one of us. And trust and value in itself boils down to the root issue that I think Jesus addresses and talks about more than anything else uh, when he talks about stewardship and money. Stewardship being how we handle what God has given us, right? And it's for us. Stewardship is a matter of the heart. And I think trust and value boil down to an issue of the heart. If we can trust or if we value whatever it is that, uh, that we have. Jesus teaches on this con- condition over and over based on how he knew we would wrestle with this topic. How he knew we would be wrestling. How he knew the battle for him to be Lord in our lives would be a battle for our heart. It wouldn't be a battle for our finances. Right? God doesn't need our money. He's not trying to gain our money. He's trying to gain our hearts. So the battle would be for our hearts. And he knew what would produce the biggest challenge for us. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying here in in this parable where he's talking about money, your treasure, your riches, where your heart is. If I was to pose the question to you this morning, um, what are you most passionate about? Where is your heart? I believe uh, some of us would be, some of us would answer, well, my, my heart is with my family and my friends, right? Some of us would say, well, you know, I, I, my heart is in a certain cause or bringing awareness to something in, uh, in, in life, that that would be my passion. I think very few of any, any of us would come up with the answer, I'm passionate about what Jesus is doing in my life right now. I know of maybe one person in my life that would actually say that. Or uh, I'm passionate about what Jesus is changing in my heart right now. And that's what, what Jesus is, is wanting to talk about when he, when he addresses this idea uh, in Matthew 6, 21 and just before that, which we're looking at. He's saying, in regards to our treasures, our money, Jesus really wants to change our heart around the idea of how we handle our money. The issue boils back down uh, to our heart. He wants our hearts thus changing how we view the act of tithing or the act of giving back to God. He wants that act to change our hearts for us to put our trust and our faith in Him and not in our bank accounts or not in what we are acquiring or building up. And just before that, in Matthew, uh, just before Matthew 6, 21, Jesus further explains, gives some definition to this. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths, moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is saying here, don't invest in what is temporary. Don't invest in what is temporary. Don't invest really in anything earthly. It's quick to disappear, right? It's quick to be stolen. And most of it is temporary anyways. 
Our life here on earth is, and and I've said this before, our life here on earth is so temporary compared to eternity. But yet we focus so much on this little slice compared to eternity, which doesn't end. Right? It's all so temporary compared to eternity. Jesus is saying invest in what is eternal. We all get the idea of purchasing or investing in something, right? Because we all make purchases. We're adults. We have responsibilities. We have things that break down. We have things that we need to get as a family. But I tell you what, there's nobody that does this better uh, than my father-in-law. He does an amazing job at purchasing things. If it's a DVD player or actually this last week they bought a car uh, in it's crazy how he purchases cars. He gets like one every 20 years, uh, and then he drives it until it's done, but he pays cash for it. it. I mean, so, but what he does with his purchasing, or even batteries, watch batteries, or batteries for random things. If you need a battery, you talk to Rob, because he's probably got it, and he's probably got the best kind. Because he invests in, I tell you what, I was purchasing a DVD player, and he sent me a bunch of lists from, uh, from Consumer Reports on a DVD player, and I was like, I'm going to go get the uh, Black Friday 1999 DVD player. You know, I mean, like, I'm going to get that. But with him, is he knows what he's investing in. And he investigates, and he looks into it, and he, and he invests in what lasts, in what is, uh, what, what brings the most value, and what is going to fit in something that he can trust in. And what Jesus is saying there in Matthew uh, chapter 6 is he's, he's saying God wants us to invest in the everlasting. God wants us to invest in the everlasting, that, that which will be eternal. Right? And Jesus is fine with us having money. God it, it actually is fine with us having money. I mean, we need it to survive uh, on earth. Right? But what God wants to make sure that we are doing is that we are investing in his kingdom and in what, in, what is in what is eternal. He wants to make sure that we're doing that. And we can do that through uh, our, our, our everyday life, but we can also do that through uh, investing in the work that he is doing. So our core commitment reads, consistently be stewarding my financial resources to further the ministry of CTK. And, and, and this is why it reads this way. Because uh, some of you may argue, well, do I really have to give to the local church? And my answer to that would be, Scripture's pretty clear, but apart from that, what is even more clear is that God wants us to be investing in His kingdom, in the furthering of His kingdom. And the work that is being done. So I'd, I would ask you where you sit right now, if you're looking to use, uh, to have an excuse as to why you don't give, is because you give in other places. And, and I would say, man, uh, where you're giving, in your life right now, where you sit, is there another place that you are giving right now where you are as active and you are seeing God's work being done? Where you are playing an active part, because you are playing an active part, even being here, an active part also of allowing God to play a part in your life that is greater than the work that is being done at our church right now. Now, I would say that it's, I would say that by no means am I saying we're the best. 
because we are far from it, and you know if you're involved in any of our ministries, that's the case, right? We are far from the best at what we do. And that's not the issue of saying that we're the greatest at whatever we're doing. But what I am saying is because um, what I am saying is that are you active in or present at, involved with, and maybe some of you are, maybe outside of CTK Southern Valley, you're serving in a ministry that is doing amazing uh, work. But I would say most of us aren't. And God sets an example of us with his generosity. He wants our hearts to align with that same thing. And I would say that even if you've only been here a few weeks or you're coming and uh, checking things out, being in the position that I am in right now, there is not another area of my life where I can see God's work being done at a greater level than what's going on in our church and in our neighborhoods and in our community and in your lives. I pray for many ministries, but hands-on, being involved, there's not another ministry that is doing the work that is happening each and every week here uh, at CTK. My life right now, and maybe it's the same for you, there's not a na- another area that even comes close. 40-ish kids, each, 40-ish kids each week reached, taught, working with God, an amazing kids program, meeting 70 plus adults each week to worship our living God, hearing a relevant message that has the opportunity to impact our lives if we would allow it to, active groups meeting throughout the week that change the hearts and minds to be more like Christ. If this is your place, if Christ the King Sun Valley is your place, God wants you to align your heart first with him in the stewardship of his resources, the money that he's given you. He wants you to depict that in your life. To live out the generosity that he has laid out in scripture, but also lived out in his example for us, in the life that he lived with us. And so I want to challenge you with this. I want to close with this, and I think this will uh, hopefully encompass all of us. To those of you that are generous, those of you that are giving, and I believe Scripture is pretty clear. I've, I've talked about it. 10% is kind of a starting point. It's all God's anyways. 10% is kind of a starting point. To the generous, I want to encourage you to continue to be faithful. Because if you've been around it all, you know that over the last year, this has been a big focus for us as a church. Talked about it maybe uh, three times in the last year, which is more than in the first four years, I think, completely. But to the generous, I want to I challenge you to then share God's generosity in the story that you have and how, you, how you are being generous, how that's been a heart change for you, how that's been a life change for you, what God, has, what God has taught you through your generosity, what you've learned. I want you to share that with those around you. I want you to share that with the people of this church that you hang out with. Because that's the story that, that means it all, right? When you make that decision to be generous and God is changing your heart and, and aligning it with him, the stories of what God does in our life are our biggest tool for others. And to those of you that give at a service level, and this would be a level that I would say uh, 
you know, the bucket's passed and you're behind and you're like, man, you know, I, I don't want to be the person that doesn't put anything in there. Or the last time I talked about money, I talked about giving of our first fruits. Service level giving would be somebody that gives out of what's left over. And I, I can attest to it. Maybe you can attest to it. Once you wait until what's left over, there's nothing left over. So it's hard to give out of what's left over. God calls us to give uh, out of our first fruits. But I would say to those of you that, that are giving at a service level, I would say, have that conversation with God. It's between you and Him. Talk with Him about it. Look into Scripture. Look at what you're investing your money in. I don't, it's not too hard nowadays with electronics and, and, and bank accounts and being able to, I mean, an app on your phone, you click and you can see everything you bought in the last month. Look at what you're investing in in your life. Because you may think God calls us to give to his kingdom. And you may think, you know, I'm all about God's kingdom. But based on what Jesus says in scripture, what we treasure, where our treasures are, that's where our heart is. And so I would say have that conversation with God. Look at where you are spending, what you are stewarding more than anything else uh, with how you are living your life. Now I would say to the third of us, those, are the, those of us that are, uh, that are thinking, and maybe you're thinking, man, I picked the wrong day to come to church, right? Maybe you get some laughs on that, but, but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe you didn't pick the wrong day to come to church. Maybe you're investigating this whole God thing and whether or not God is really who he says he is, and, and that's why you're here, and I would say, man, we're glad that you're here. Like, I'm glad that you're here. We do this for you, for people who are investigating and wanting to hear and, and know about God. And I don't want you to be discouraged in hearing this idea of, man, well, God wants my money too. Not only do I have to show up at church on Sunday, I also have to give. That's not the case. Because here's the deal. Our God is living and active. And those of us that have placed our faith and trust in him, we believe that to be true. And we believe that God will provide and that he will give us anything and everything that we need. We just don't always live that way, right? We just don't always uh, depict that on how we live our lives. And he wants you to learn these principles too of trust and faith in him. But he would love to show you that as well. And that's to all of us. He wants us to experience his generosity through all that he provides for us, being the model first. But if we don't see him as the provider, it's hard to align our hearts around the idea of our finances in, in, in giving to, at any level really, to the level that God calls us to steward what he has given us. And it's ultimately because he wants our hearts. He wants that trust and that value that we have to be placed in him. So my prayer for all of us this morning would be that uh, God would work on our hearts so that, so that our lives would be forever changed. And that our hearts would align up to what he has for us. What he created us for. And ultimately through that, the hearts and the lives of the people around us would be changed as well. Ultimately, 
because of his generosity first. Let's pray.